Good morning, Lindsley Avenue. So good to be with you. And as you can see, I have my beautifully framed picture of the church building uh, to remind me of your presence and of you. And I uh, can't wait for us to get back together and to gather together and to worship God together. And so thank you for joining us this morning. We're thankful for all of our members tuning in. And then also, if you have never been to Lindsley Avenue, thank you for joining us as we study from God's Word this morning. And uh, I want us to begin by having a word of prayer during this difficult time and uh, pray for our world and our country. Will you join me in a prayer? Father God, we just come to you humbly, knowing that there are many challenges and many people suffering right now. And we pray for all of the precautionary uh, means that are being used to limit and to mitigate the spread of this terrible virus. Help us to be patient, help us to endure, and help us to be of one mind so that we can unify together as a people, as a world, as a nation uh, to eradicate what's going on. Give us courage today uh, and help us to have our minds and our hearts open to your word, to what you want for us in our lives. And we call on your name, in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. This morning, I want to talk to you about a very exciting encounter that Moses had with Almighty God. And in that encounter, God said something like this, I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will put my hand over you. But before we get into that lesson, which is coming from Exodus chapter 33, I want you to think about the greatness and the majesty of God. And the problem with us as people and as human beings is that many times we try to put God in our little box. We try to take the God of heaven and put him in a little box that meets our needs, that meets our finite understanding of who God is. I'm reminded of a little story, and uh, it was a guy who's talking to God, and he comes to God and he says, what, what is it like being you? What is, it, what is a million years like to you, God? And God says, well, to me, a million years is like a minute. So the guy's responds and ask another question. Well, God, what, what's a million dollars like to you? And God replies, to me, it's like a penny. And so then the guy asks God, well, can I have a penny? And then God says, well, you're going to have to wait a minute. Isn't that what we do, though? We try to limit God. We try to put God into our own understandings in our own boxes but God is bigger than whatever box you can put him in and so what happens to us in life what happens is is that the immediacy of our problems the immediacy and the proximity of our issues and our challenges and our struggles whatever they may be because we're so close to them they seem so big they seem so powerful when we think about all of the things that's going on, the social ills that are happening right there, the social problems, when we think about COVID-19, it seems so immense 
It seems so powerful. It seems so overwhelming. Not only that, when we, when we look at injustice, when we look at the corruption that's in our world, when we look at all of the different issues, we can see the immediacy and the proximity. And so to us, they seem so grand. They seem so big. They seem overwhelming to us. And all of a sudden, God seems to get smaller with these problems. But God cannot fit into that box. Also, the temptations that we endure because of our proximity to the temptation, they seem so strong, don't they? But it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that God is faithful and that he will not allow us to be tempted above that which we are able to bear and will provide a way of escape from it. So God is great. God is unfathomable. God is ineffable to our understanding. He is greater than any struggle. He is greater than any challenge. He is greater than any injustice. C.S. Lewis said it like this, A man can no more diminish God's glory by refusing to worship Him than a lunatic can put out the sun by scribbling the word darkness on the walls of his cell. Today our story and our lesson comes from a very dark point in the history of Israel in Exodus chapter 33. And it should have been a time of great rejoicing because Israel had experienced the salvation of God. They had been delivered from 430 years of slavery in Egypt. They had witnessed the power of God. They had seen the Red Sea parted. God had made a covenant with them, an agreement. And in fact, it says that the people responded to God in Exodus 24:3, All the words which the Lord has said, we will do. God had done so much for the people of Israel. And by making his presence known, he told the people that he wanted for them to build in the center of the camp a tabernacle, a house of worship, which represented the very presence of God with his people. But Moses went up on the mountain to receive the law of God. And it says that Moses was delayed. And in Moses' absence, his own brother Aaron thought of a great idea. He thought, let's make a God out of our gold. Let's make a calf of gold because of the pressure of the people wanting to worship. And as a result, of course, Moses came down and he tossed down the tablets of stone. And Israel, within months of being delivered from Egypt, fell into idolatry. Once again, the people of Israel wanted to put God in their box. And isn't that what we do as individuals? They wanted to fashion a calf made of gold. They wanted a God that they could understand, a tangible God, a God that they could even control. And we as human beings today sometimes like 
to put God in a convenient place in our life. That when God asks us to do something and it seems so big, then that's not really the God that we want to serve. We want to serve this other God that doesn't require as much from us. So we set up a God of convenience. Or we set up a God that fits our definition better than the God that is revealed in Scripture. So today, even though we're not in the wilderness, we create our own golden calves, don't we? We misrepresent who God is. As a result of the people of Israel's idolatry, God's present, His presence was leaving the camp. It says in verse number 7 of Exodus chapter 3, 33, that Moses set up the tent outside of the camp. So instead of the tabernacle as imagined, as purposed by God, Moses went and set up a tent outside the camp of God. And so every man, if he wanted to approach God, would have to go outside of the camp. So instead of the tent, the tabernacle being in the very middle in the, in the camp, God had removed in a very visible way, in an ostensible way, his presence from the people of Israel. And a plague had set among the people. And it says that each man, when Moses went to the tent of meeting, he would worship, get this, at his own tent door. Kind of sounds familiar in where we are right now. That every man, instead of gathering together as a people, each person would gather at their tent door. But verse 11 of Exodus 33 gives us this intimate picture of Moses and God. Listen to this. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. What we see that Moses has in this relationship with God is this intimacy that he speaks to God, not in some vision or in some distant dream, but God speaks to him as a friend. Remember that even Abraham in James chapter 2 is called the friend of God. And so there is this incredible relationship that Moses has with God. God spoke with him, speaks to him as a friend. And we also see a very powerful example of Joshua, that he would not depart from the tabernacle. This young man would not depart from the tabernacle. And don't we need young men like that today who will not depart from the presence of God? And so in this scene, in the verses that follow, Moses makes intercession for the people. And God says, my presence is rest. Look at what it says in verse 14 of Exodus 33. And he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. So if you want to know what peace and rest truly is, it is the presence of God. And so in this conversation that Moses is having with God, God keeps saying that he's going to show favor to Moses. 
And he doesn't talk about the people. And every time Moses responds, he includes the people. But what about the people, Lord? What about us? And so finally, God relents to Moses' intercession and says, I will be with all of you. I will be present with my people. But what happens is very amazing in Moses' life here and in Moses' spiritual life. He has a desire from God that he has not known yet. You would think with all of the majesty and with all of the, the signs and the wonders and with he even being called a friend of God, speaking, as it were, to God in this tent, that that was as good as it could get. But Moses in verse 18 says, please show me your glory. Moses wanted to see and know God on a deeper, deeper level. Even though his intimacy with God was unparalleled by any other person on earth, he says, please show me your glory. And, and so Moses isn't trying to exchange anything of this world for the majesty and glory of God. He doesn't want to exchange the glory of God for a golden calf. He doesn't want to exchange God's presence for anything else. He says, let me know your glory, God. And so there's this amazing encounter that happens with Moses. Listen to this. Then he says, I will make all of my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. In this, you see that God is going to show Moses his goodness. You see, God is the locus of all good. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from the Father of lights, it says in James 1, 17. God's goodness is going to be proclaimed. It says his name is is going to be proclaimed that same name exodus 3 yahweh i am that i am and it also shows the sovereignty of god because he says i will be gracious to whom i will be gracious and i will have compassion on whom i will have compassion but there's a problem in god showing his goodness to moses it says you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. As faithful as Moses was, as good as Moses was, he could not behold the face of God and live. And so in the midst of God's goodness, he provides a provision to where he can be present with God. And he says, here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. So it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. What's interesting about this passage 
is that when Moses enters in the cleft of the rock, that hollowed out place to where he can hide his face from the presence and goodness of God, is that God is actually protecting him, get, get this, of his goodness, of his own goodness. Because of the holiness of God, Moses cannot encounter the fullness of who God is because of sinfulness. You know, that song, Rock of Ages, has been a song of refuge and a song of comfort and hope for many people. Rock of Ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flowed be of sin the double cure. Save me from the wrath and make me pure. I'm reminded of a story about a steamboat. And in that steamboat, uh, some of the coals in the furnace had caught a backdraft and had gone into the engine room and had caught fire to the boat. And there were many people on this boat. And one was a Fisk Jubilee singer and his wife. And as the boat caught fire and as the panic ensued, the husband and wife put on life jackets. And as the wife was putting on her, someone actually stole her life jacket. And in a, in a minute's notice, they both had to jump into the waters. And so the wife clung to her husband's life preserver and they were in the water for many hours. And as time passed, the wife began to feel weak. And she says, help me, I'm getting weak. And the husband says, let's sing. And so they sang Rock of Ages. And as the song was sung, others in the water joined in. And 40 of the 300 people were saved singing Rock of Ages. There's a refuge for you and I. And the rock of ages, the cleft in the rock, is Jesus himself. That when we talk about the presence of God, when we talk about the desire that we have for God, because we desire God and God, many times we replace with things of this world. We've we put other things, we build our own golden calves. Instead of searching for God, we put other things there, whether it be our career, whether it be material things, whether it be the pleasures of this world. But our desire for God and the presence of God is fully realized in Jesus. You see, in John chapter 1, it's very interesting what's written by the Apostle John. Because he talks about the word being made flesh. And it says, and dwelt among us. And what's interesting about that Greek word for the word dwelt is actually the word tabernacled. Pitch a tent. And so when John is talking about Jesus, he says, this was God tabernacled with us. So what could not be fully realized in the wilderness with Moses? 
is realized in the person of Jesus. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, was tabernacled with us. It also goes on to say in John chapter 1, it says this, verse 18, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. You see, Christ fulfills what Moses could not do. Because when the glory and majesty of God passes by Moses, he has to hide his face in the cleft of the rock. And God only permits him to see just a little bit of his glory. But it says of Jesus that Jesus is God tabernacled with us. That Jesus knows the true face of God. That Jesus is revealing the face of God to the world. So we turn to Christ as the cleft of the rock for us. So today, my encouragement to you is number one, don't sell God short. Don't fashion a golden calf. Don't make an inferior version of God in your life. And yes, the problems that we face in this world are big. The temptations that we face are strong. But they are no match for the eternal God that we serve. Number two, I want to tell you that if you truly want to know God, if you truly want to know His presence and His glory, it's in Christ. Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The presence of God is rest. And the presence of God is with Christ our Savior. God loves you, and I do too. And so as a part of our recognition of Jesus being that rock of refuge. We partake of communion. We partake of the Lord's Supper. And what we find in the New Testament on the Lord's Day, on the first day of the week, Acts 20, verse 7, that Christians came together to break bread. And so in this, we proclaim the Lord's death. So at this time, I want to pray for the bread which represents the broken body of Jesus. And just imagine this, because this is the truth, that God allowed himself in Christ to be broken for you. God is near the brokenhearted, and Christ and his body take part in our own brokenness. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this bread which represents the very body of Christ, your presence among us. Help us to partake of it in a way which is pleasing in your sight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
when we think about Israel coming out of Egypt, there was the Passover feast. And it was during this time of celebration that Jesus was crucified. And the blood was placed on the doorpost of the houses of the children of Israel. And the Spirit of God would pass over their house because it represented the atoning blood that we eventually find in the story of God and man in Christ Jesus. Christ is our Passover. His blood remits and forgives sins. So let's partake of the fruit of the vine, the wine for the forgiveness of sins. Father, thank you for loving us so much that you gave your son's own blood for our forgiveness, for our atonement. Pass over our sins today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today and uh, to the family at Lindsley Avenue. Uh, I miss you. I love you. And to all those everywhere, remember the presence and desire that we have for God is fulfilled in Jesus. To know Jesus is to know the very presence of God in our life, that he has tabernacled among us and he has beheld the face of God and is now revealing that to the world through His Word, through His church, and through His Spirit. God bless you today, and have a great week.